Well, good morning. Good morning. We got a few folks missing today. We know where they are. They're in the dark. <laughs> Lost their power, and uh, so we hope everyone gets their power back on and gets back in in class and back in shape. I do want to say that uh, appreciate the prayers for people on the coast. And we've got a lot of families with uh, loved ones in Buford and the beach and Charleston. So we are praying for those on the coast. And uh, thank the Lord that it wasn't any worse than what it was. Well, if you got your Bible today, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. And I've got a disclaimer here at the beginning. 1 Peter chapter 5 seems to be Peter talking to pastors. And um, I know in here in the room, uh, most of you are just uh, lay people, but 1 Peter chapter 5 is a evidently Peter's word to those who are uh, shepherding a flock. But I'm going to try to make the application that all of us in this room are shepherds. Now, you may not be pastoring a church and shepherding a flock, but you are shepherding your family. If you are a husband, you are shepherding your wife. If you are a teacher, an educator, you are shepherding a classroom. And so, we are all to some degree a shepherd in our life. I um, heard about a lady who married a grocer. And um, after her first husband died, she married a clothes salesman, a clothier. Then he died. And then she married a preacher. Well, she was asked why she married those three different kinds of men. And she replied, I married the grocer so I could eat for nothing. I married the clothier so I could dress for nothing. And I married the preacher so I could be good for nothing. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? There are some preachers that are good for nothing, alright? And uh, there are some shepherds that are good for nothing. But Peter does talk about the possibility of having a godly shepherd and about you and I shepherding those who we have care of. Now, not only do I help shepherd the flock here, but I have a wife, I have a daughter, and I am constantly trying to shepherd them. I am being so careful. <laughs> oh, Freddie's trying to get me in trouble over here. You know, sometimes it sticks, and sometimes it doesn't. Our daughter, I'm always calling her on the phone and saying, Kendra, you need to do this, you need to do that, and uh, watch out for this. And sometimes, you know, the preaching goes right over the head, 
nothing ever happens. But when you and I are called to be over a particular group, and it doesn't matter. It can be one or two people. It could be a classroom. It could be other family members. We are all, to some degree, shepherds in our lives. So let's look at the text. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4. through 4. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now Peter here, I have no doubt, but is reaching out to those who are shepherding a church flock. And Peter is trying to say, under this heavy Roman persecution, under the thumb of Nero that was trying to stomp out the church, he's saying more than ever, you've got to shepherd the flock among you. These are dangerous times we live in for the church. These are times where the church has lost its influence. Instead of being salt in a rotten world, we have cowed down to that world. Instead of being light in a dark place, our light has almost been put out. But in the midst of that, Peter's call ought to be a call to us that we revive, that we try to shepherd, that we try to point the church in the right direction. Now, every church always looks to the shepherd for leadership. And in our church, we are blessed. We are blessed to have a man of God who preaches the Word of God every single Sunday. We are blessed. But that is not true everywhere. I mean, turn on the TV, turn on the radio, you can hear all kinds of stuff that is just for the pleasing of the ear. And in your own life, you've got to be a person of conviction. Where you say in your life, this is the direction we need to go. This is the right way. This is where God's Word declares this is right and this is wrong. And so, let's look here today at three qualities that you find on how to be a good shepherd. And number one, you've got to have a vital, and I want to stress that word, vital, personal experience with Christ. And this is chapter 5, verse 1. Now, in this verse, Peter is saying, 
that because of, therefore, and that of course is referring back to chapter 4. Therefore, because it is with difficulty that we are saved. If you look in chapter 4, verse 18. And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved. You know, the plan of salvation, you think about it. Here is the very Son of God who stepped out of glory, who came to Bethlehem, died on the old wood cross, was buried, rose from the grave. It is with difficulty that you and I are saved. Not difficult for you and I, but difficult for the very Son of God. And so, because of that, we need to make sure that we have a vital experience with Christ. Now in chapter 5, verse 1, you find this phrase, fellow heir and a witness. In other words, Peter is saying that I am a sojourner. I am a fellow heir of the sufferings of Christ. Peter is saying that, man, I'm, I'm part of you. And he is saying, I am a shepherd and you are a shepherd. And I am part of the, the, the team that is trying to steer people in the right direction. You know, years ago, back in the 1960s, I remember my dad would put something on his hair. And perhaps there are some in this room that use the same thing. It, no, not Brill Cream. It was called Vitalis. Oh, there we go. Vitalis. It was kind of an amber, copper color. And you know, you put it on your hair and it made it shiny, black, and greasy. Now, the commercials would say it will bring vitality to your life. All you need is Vitalis. Well, I don't know about that. But I do know there's got to be a vitality in your Christian life. Some people of God, they died a long time ago and they just ain't buried yet. There's got to be a vitality in your life. I mean, good night. Boy, we are saved by grace. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the living Word of God. Christ the Bride is coming for the church one day. You and I ought to have a vitality in our step. I want you to look in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15. Now, Paul writing to young Timothy, the young preacher boy, said, "...take pains with these things." Be absorbed in them so that your progress may be evident to all. Paul is writing there to young Timothy that your progress ought to be known to all. In other words, you and I ought to have a vitality in our Christian life. Now, a pastor of a church has two things that he always needs to be reminded of. He is saved. He knows Christ in a personal way. Number two, 
There is a call of God upon his life. Boy, when someone grabs you after the service and says, that sermon stunk. And then they get back in line and come back through the line again. And they say, that was the worst sermon I ever heard. And then they get back in line and come through again. And they say, that thing was awful. And then they get back in line and come through again. And they say, well, actually, I was asleep. I'm just repeating what everybody else said. (laughs) That day, you better be glad God called you, all right? Because that's all that's going to keep you in the game. Parent, there are times when you want to throw your kids as far as the east is from the west. There are times when you don't know what to do, but here's what you need to remember. God called you to shepherd that family. Don't listen to me. As a man of God, I'm telling you today, don't you dare let anybody else, don't you let a school, don't you let anybody else shepherd your family. That's your job. God called you to do that. So there's got to be this vitality, alright, in your experience. Alright, number two. Secondly, to be a good shepherd for whatever group you're shepherding, you've got to have a loving concern for the sheep. And this is found in verses 2 and 3. Now, a father cannot lead and shepherd his family unless he loves them. A pastor cannot shepherd his flock unless he loves them. There has got to be a demonstration of love. How does the group that you're shepherding know that you love them? Let me give you three ways. Number one, you feed them. You feed them. You put food on the table. Now, back in the day, we all had a night where, you know, we would help cook. And I had my night. Kendra and Pam did not look forward to my night. (laughs) Pam, what was my night called? Egg night. (laughs) Man, I'd throw a bunch of eggs in the skillet, stir them up. I'd say, come and get it, all right? Egg night. My daughter is still scarred by egg night. A good shepherd puts food on the table. The sheep don't always like it. But there's food on the table. Wendell Estep, every single Sunday, puts food on the table. Sometimes we don't like it, but it is a well-balanced diet. There's food on the table. Now look at verse number 2 here. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. You can't pay 
a pastor enough money. <laughs> He's not in it for money. You can't pay a parent enough money for the long nights, for the worry, for the fretting that they go through. One of my jobs when I was in high school is that I was the keeper of the light. And let me tell you what that was. I had a sister who was one year older than me. And my sister is, is very attractive. Uh, she was football queen, um, very popular in school, and um, had a lot of dates. So, when she would pull into the driveway, if she sat in that car in the driveway too long, my mom and dad would look at me and say, okay, hit it. So, man, I'd run over there and start flipping the light. <laughs> I loved it. I was the keeper of the light. And you know, if she didn't respond to the light, then daddy went out there. <laughs> and that was never good. Never good. But what my dad and mom did, not only did they feed, but they took oversight. That's what verse number 2 says here. Exercising oversight. Now, I'm going to free you up. It's okay. It's okay to tell your children no. Did you realize that? No. It's alright. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to say no. Entitlement is a killer. We live in a world today where people think they are entitled. Well, just because I'm entitled to this or that. No, no. Everything we get is because of love and God's grace. Therefore, shepherds, when they exercise oversight, they need to say, it's not wrong to mow the grass to get this. It's not wrong to take the trash out. I want to tell you, men, we are experts at taking the trash out. You know what you do. You get that trash can out there and you take your foot and stomp it down. And you say, man, I know I'd go another day. Alright? And you stomp it down and push it down and finally, you're like a trash compactor. Alright? You got all... We're like that. Put it off. Put it off. Well, that brings me to verse number 3. Nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Now that word, example, look at it. Moms and dads, school teachers, presidents. We heard years ago a basketball player say, well, I'm, I'm no role model. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. 
If you are in public life or if you have a responsibility to take care of people, you are a role model and example. You are. It just depends on what kind you're going to be. Now I do find in verse number 3 something that, that you need to see here. This word lording. Lording in verse 3. Don't Lord it over the flock. Pastors are not dictators. They're shepherds. Moms and dads are not dictators. They're parents. You cannot drive sheep, but you can lead them. I found that true. And you and I need to realize that browbeating can only go so far. You don't want your children, now listen to me, you don't want your children to have your faith. You want them to have their faith. You want them to discover Christ on their own with your leadership. But you want them to have their faith. The same loving concern a pastor has for sheep, a mom, a dad must have for their family. Alright, let me move on. Third and last today. How to shepherd your family. How to shepherd a church. You need to have a desire to please Christ alone. And that's verse number 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I don't know if this is right or not, but I know it's come out of my mouth a million times. I've had somebody get in the middle of me, and my response has been, well, I'm not going to stand before you on judgment day. But I am going to stand before the chief shepherd one day. This book of 1 Peter is called the Epistle of Hope. The second coming of Christ is called the Blessed Hope. A pastor or a mom or a dad, a shepherd, we are encouraged that one day the chief shepherd's going to come. And Christ will come again one day. And as you and I try our best to shepherd those allotted to our charge, the chief shepherd is going to come one day. Now, Jesus is called a shepherd in three different ways. Uh, he is called a good shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down His life for the sheep. He is also called a great shepherd. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21, He is a great shepherd. And then here in 1 Peter, He's the chief shepherd. I think when Christ comes back to earth, all that really matters is did you please Him? Did you honor Him? 
were you the shepherd that you should have been for your family? In Christ alone. I love that song by the Gettys. In Christ alone. Paul would say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We think about Virginia Reed. We think about others who have gone on, passed on to glory. And they are standing today before the chief shepherd. And they are there because in Christ alone they had faith and hope and joy and peace. Every once in a while, late at night, I'll go back into the bedroom and get ready for bed. Right beside our bed, I have a drawer there and I keep my bed clothes in there. I'll pull out the drawer and I'll put my t-shirt on that I sleep in. Put on my, my jammies. And every once in a while, the next morning, I'll look in the mirror. And I'll think, you knucklehead, you put that t-shirt on Inside out. <laughs> you know, it used to be easier when they had the tags. Now they got this tagless stuff. <laughs> so I'm standing there going, yeah, it's, it's inside out. I want to challenge you today to live inside out. There's turmoil out here but there's peace inside. There's cancer out here, but there's healing inside. There's sadness out here, but there's joy inside. There's condemnation out here, but there's salvation inside. The devil's out here, but Christ is inside. Amen. To live inside out. Oh, that's what we need to do. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, I thank You for Your Word today. Lord, I pray that we would all be faithful shepherds over the flock that You've given us. And Father, I love You today. I love Your Word. And Lord, uh, man, this has been like eating cake and ice cream. I've enjoyed this so much today. And Father, I pray today that You would lift us up. And Lord, for the world that we live in, help us to live the life inside out. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great day.